Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. Today on the show, I have actor, creative director, writer, producer, husband, father, and most importantly, my friend, Michael Shepard. Michael, thanks for joining me. It is my pleasure to be here. You know, I... I didn't even make an outline, and I told you this earlier, because Michael and I have known each other for entirely too long, and I was like, we're just going to talk, because we have a lot to talk about. We've we known each other so long. My daughter, who is now 14. I can't. 14. <laughs> you were her first teacher. Yeah. How old was she? Two and a half? Three? She was uh, two and a half. Oh, my gosh. I remember the first time you came, and I was like, oh, my God, a black dad, yes. <laughs> It was. I was so excited. I was like, yes. And I just, I love meeting you and your husband and, you know, seeing, seeing Maxie grow on your um, Facebook has been a joy. It reminds me how old I am, but it's been a pleasure to see her grow up. (laughs) I'm sorry. You see all this? (laughs) I'm serving you like J. Jonah Jameson realness (laughs) with just a white meter. You wear it well, though. You wear it well. Uh, okay, Michael, we have a lot to talk about because obviously we are in alignment with our, a lot of our views and the things that we say on Facebook. Now, you end up in Facebook jail way more. I actually have never been in Facebook jail, but you end up in Facebook jail often. How have you not been in Facebook jail? I have not been in Facebook jail because I know how to word things in a way that doesn't put me in jail. You, on the other hand, don't hold back. But see, here's the deal. I have had friends who have used the word coon mm. on Facebook on Facebook, in Facebook, never had a problem. I use the word coon spelled with a K, and I get thrown in jail. I refer to Kanye West as Kunye, I get thrown in jail. I don't understand. It's like, you know, if I if I put the word W-H-I-T-E, white, mm-hmm. on Facebook, I get thrown in jail. That's interesting to me because I say white people all the time in my statuses, and I've never gotten put in Facebook jail. So I don't know, I don't know what it is. It's like you, you're flagged. Because you and a couple of my other friends, they're like they're on like the no fly list for Facebook. Like no matter what, they're just waiting for you to say something, and you guys always end up in jail. It's really crazy. Yeah, but it's set up to protect white people. I'm convinced. Well, oh, it's it's all to protect white people. The whole thing, the whole system. Yeah, because you know you can have racist organizations, you know, putting out statements and letters and blasting exactly what they're going to do with the n-words and nothing happens Mm -hmm. you know it's freedom of speech but a black person you know and there's been studies that are being done about that yeah that you know that that black folks are targeted more frequently on facebook than anybody Mm -hmm. else you know i and i just talked about this uh, on another episode of podcast uh, that I, there's a Twitter thread that I saw that was talking about white culture, which is interesting because we always say that white people don't have a culture, but this really pointed it out. And I, and I don't know if you saw this on my status because I shared it, but it was saying that white people don't have the equivalent to real talk that black people do. And so when you are actually direct with them, they view it as like a threat or they, they get scared. They don't know how to react to it because they have been taught to not deal with conflict. That's true. They've never had to deal you. I shouldn't say never, because that's a definitive term, but mm-hmm. I would say 98.9% of the time why folks don't have to deal with that conflict yeah. at yeah. all. And uh, it's that, I had this conversation the other day about the fact that um, white people, the reason they get so upset about so many things is because they've never had any opposition to anything they've done. Mm. So once there's a moment of pushback, 
then it's like, wait, wait, you can't do that to me. Why would you do that to me? I can't do, I, I, you know, you know, pearl clutching and, you know, sweat and all that. And, <laughs> and because, you know, they've never had to have any other conversation because everything is centered around whiteness. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's where the privilege comes in. You know, you have so many people that think that privilege doesn't exist, but just you saying that, that it's proof that it does exist. Oh, it absolutely exists. Yeah. I mean, whether people want to believe it or not, that's, you know, because, and the people who don't want to believe it are the people who don't want to have these conversations, which then perpetuate everything over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, if we had, you know, people who would say, who would just say, you know what, I understand, a large swath of people who mm-hmm. said, I understand my privilege. I understand that I need to get out of the way of myself. Mm-hmm. And I need to listen. We'd be so much better off. Right. But again, as you said before, you know, we the minute the conflict comes up, immediately it's like, no, I'm white. What, what do you mean? I, I'm good. I, I'm on your side too. Right. Absolutely. So, in terms of whiteness, though, because you know we know that whiteness is a default, and specifically in the industry that you work in, um, how has that affected you? as an actor, as a director, as a writer, as a producer, knowing that the default always kind of has to end up going back to white people in order to make the mass, uh, the mass consumer feel comfortable in, in the content that they're taking in. Honestly, I don't do that. I don't do it. Um, I, you know, I'm the artistic director of the, of Celebration Theater, which is the oldest continuously producing lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, two-spirited, allied, asexual, cisgender, gender non-binary, gender non-conforming theater in the country. Come on, inclusive. Come on, inclusive. (laughs) (laughs) So, and one of the things when I became the artistic director there, you know, almost 15 years ago, um, I was very clear that the message that we're going to send out is not towards what we look at as, as a queer society, which is, you know, cisgendered white queer men, mm. you know, between the ages of 25 and 40. You know, we're going to reach out. And I got lots of pushback about it, you know, and I got called, you know, can I say the N-word for real on your show? Yeah, go for it. You can say it. I just want to be clear, because I got called nigga by gay people mm. over and over in emails and phone calls. You know, I, you know, I, because I wanted to bring uh, women's stories into the theater, black women's stories. I wanted to bring in, you know, all these uh, uh, under, underserved community stories into the theater. I wanted to cast things that looks like America with a C as opposed to the KKK. Most people, you know, are, are, are to. <laughs> accustomed to so i you know but i've been pushing for that agenda for a long time and i think that's why there are several people within the theater community who absolutely love me and several who go see me coming and they go the other way Mm. because they don't want to deal with their issues it's not mine i'm doing exactly what i'm supposed to do i'm doing exactly what i am supposed to be doing yeah yeah but but you know again when you're centered around your own whiteness it's like, and all of a sudden, a six foot six, two hundred and eighty pound black man walks into the room, and they're like, <laughs> "Where can I go?" Where can and I I'm hide? like, "Nowhere. There's nowhere yeah. you can go." In terms of theater, though, do you feel like there's been more diversity in, in recent years? Um, I think on stage there has been an uptick. Uh, behind the table, no. 
Mm. Absolutely behind the table. I mean, it's funny. I've had um, other artistic directors of theater companies who have come to me and said, oh, um, can you help me? I'm looking for um, a black director. And I'm like, um, do my 15, 20 productions I've directed in Los Angeles and two Ovation Awards and several other awards discount me as a black director because you feel comfortable around me? Yeah. You know, is it that? Because white people, I will be very clear, there are white people who feel very comfortable around me. Yeah. Because of just, just my own personality and my own nature, you know, until I get to, you know, <laughs> spousing the real reasons why I get angry all the time. And But it's like that I'm often not counted in the real black folk category, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, you know, because they've grown so accustomed to me just being there and being part of the conversation that they go, oh, we need someone really black. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm I'm still super black. <laughs> and you're proud of it, too. <laughs> and it's February, too. I'm blackity-black-ass black. Right. <laughs> so in terms of behind the table, where do you feel there's the biggest lack of representation? Directing, writing, producing, stage managing, like what specifically do you think that there needs more diversity in, in theater? Keep going. You're listing, of- you're listing them all. Music directors, all of the... You are listing them Man. all. Yeah, and, and, and a part of that is because culturally, we do not send our children into the arts unless there's a big affinity for it. Like they go, oh, you're playing the piano at three. I, there may be a career there. Although yeah. even in my own family, my, my um, nephew, and I'll say it, my nephew started playing the piano at like two years old by ear. By the time he was 11 years old, he could play any he hear it once and play it. Mm. And I was like, oh, wait, do you know how much? And I just said to my brother, I said, do you know how much a black musical director can make? You know, I said, we need to get him into a music school. We, he needs to learn music. I said his career would be phenomenal mm. as a black man in this business who can, you know, who uh, knows music inside and out. I said he can write his own ticket. No, that music is only for the church. Mm. So I was like, you know, there's, you know. So again, that story tells me we don't want to send our children, you know, into this business. I mean, my family still doesn't understand what I do, and I've been doing it for forty years. <laughs> do you think there's a level of fear behind that though i think it's a little it's a uh, yes there is and i'm trying to you know carve out a a, 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 an answer for that that is not the the fear that people feel is of the unknown Mm -hmm. because storylines and uh, are not created for us. So right. if we don't see ourselves, and we see you now, if we don't see ourselves, allowed to see ourselves on stage, on, in movies and television, then why would that be an option for us? I think that's the fear. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I had no, I knew that in second grade when I played the horse that pulled the carriage in Cinderella, I knew. That's what I wanted to do, but I didn't have imagery to like connect that that I could do it until I was in seventh grade 
no, I'm sorry, I was in sixth grade when the high school came to the grade school and they did a few numbers from Pajama Game. Mm. And there was like a very tall, skinny black man in the course. And I went, wait, we can do that? Yeah. And I immediately went, that's what I want to do. It's all I want to do. That's exactly why representation matters. And I feel that people still don't understand like, whoa, why does, you know, why does it need to be a black person? It's like, because of exactly what you just said. Why would a child think that this is a viable option for them as a career when they're older, when they have never seen anybody that looks like them do it and do it successfully? It's that simple. Exactly. And, and, you know, and that's just, you know, so imagine not seeing people behind the scenes. Yeah, not seeing the stage managers, not seeing the uh, you know the producers, not seeing you know the choreographers. So if you don't see it, you know you go. I think I want to do this, but you know it's scary for everybody. Be the first, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's I love that you put it that way because I I it, it just dawned on me as you were speaking that that's why it matters. Obviously, we know that representation matters, but. I can just see myself younger and I'm lucky that I grew up, you know, seeing a lot of black figures actually on television and film. You know, we had the whole nineties, early two thousands Renaissance. We are living single. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we had everything, you know, yeah. we had everything back then. So I was lucky enough to have that representation, but I can only imagine, not that I'm trying to like date you or anything, but you know, age you, but you know, I can only imagine you probably didn't have <laughs> no, I mean, it's so funny. I mean, you know, I'm from an era and I hate to say this. I'm from the era where we used to call people and say, there's black folks on the on the TV. Because, you know, we it would was a shocker. Call, it was shocking. I mean, we would call and go, don't forget Flip Wilson's on tonight. Flip Wilson show is on. You wanna watch Julia? And then you call your friends after Julia. Did you see that episode of Julia? That's, you know, because that's what we had. And wow. um it's so funny. The whole thing about representation, the, the most heartbreaking story that I have is um, we took the kids to go see Into the Woods, mm-hmm. the movie, the film version, mm-hmm. um, which I don't recommend. Um, I saw it. It's, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and after the movie, and the kids were very much into the story. They loved the story, the fairy tales and all of that. And um, after the story, we're talking, after the, mo- after the movie, we're driving away and we're talking about the movie. And my son, so just so everyone knows, um, my son is white and my daughter is black, both adopted. And, um, and I said to my son, Sebastian, I said, okay, who would you, if they do this at your school, who would you play? And my daughter, Maxie says, oh, he played Jack. He'd have to be Jack. She goes, oh, I'll be Jack. And I said, well, who do you see yourself playing, Maxie? And she goes, well, I didn't see anyone who looked like me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Mm. And I went, it's a fairy tale. It's a fucking fairy tale. Yeah. And they couldn't put us in the, in the narrative of the fairy tale. Except if you go, if you watch it again, because I had to, there's one black woman sitting on a balcony. <laughs> and then the only black representation, and he might be, um, he might be, I don't know whether he's black or Latino, I don't know. Um, but he's the one who does something wrong and gets thrown out. Mm. That's really it. That's, that's what you're showing us. 
But I do have to say, the live version of Into the Woods, I was very lucky that I got to see Vanessa Williams do it. Oh, so did I. Okay. So I wish, but I wish Max had the opportunity to see that too. Yeah, and and you know what? And there have been amazing opportunities. We went to go see Matilda, Mm. you know, uh, before, you know, I did Matilda as well. (laughs) (laughs) We went to go see it at the Amundsen. There was a black girl who was playing Matilda, Mm. which immediately you go, and there was some diversity in the cast, and you just went, oh, wait a minute. So, and to have that, I was just like, I sat up, I was like, what? Because I had no idea of the three Matilda that there was a, a, you know, a Filipino, uh, a white, and a black girl. And I'm just like, there That's you awesome. go. Do you think yeah. that will ever not be a shocker to people? <sighs> Do you think we'll ever get to that point? Because no. I hate going to, 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 to see productions on Broadway or watching a television show and being shocked that I see someone that looks like me. No. You don't think no. we'll ever get past that? No, I don't think so. Um, I... Um, which is why I'm very clear on the things that I pay my money to go see. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. very clear. <clears throat> you know, it's like if I see an ad for an all, and, you know, there's five people in the ad for a, a movie or a, a, a play or a musical or something, and I go, mm, whether I know they're all white, they all, I identify them as white mm-hmm. because that's what it is. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, I still see color. For all y'all out there who say, I don't see color, you're wrong. You see color. Everybody sees color. Everybody. But okay, so with all of the hats that you wear, as a Black man, what has been the most challenging role? Acting, being a director, being a producer, what what has been the hardest one, as specifically as a Black man? In the business Mm -hmm. or in real Mm -hmm. life? In (laughs) In the business, um... I I would probably say, God, there. I mean, there's challenges in all of these things. Mm-hmm. There's all these challenges. Um, I, I I think acting, because mm. I am a very specific type. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I'm six six and two eighty. Although I started noon this week, so hopefully I get down to two forty. <laughs> um, but I think it has to be that because I walk into a room, and I don't fit a category. I don't fit a box. And because, again, talking about the people behind the table, they're looking through things mostly through a Eurocentric lens yeah. and look at me and they go, and they hear my voice and they'll go, wait, okay, that's a large black man, but this voice is coming out of this large black man. How do I even register the two things to, you know, put the two things together? You know, because, you know, we've all heard the story, but you sound so intelligent. Mm-hmm. You know, you're so well-spoken. And um, so I think there's, I think it's that. I think, you know, trying to convince people. Luckily, I have, I have several directors, you know, who are, um, who love working with me. Mm-hmm. And they will put me in things like an Irish, an Irish drama, you know, at a equity house. So I have to learn an Irish accent and live mm-hmm. in that world. Mm-hmm. And people just have to accept that, you know. There's a black Irish on black stage. Man, black. <laughs> That's what you have to do, you know. So, you know, you're very vocal on um, how you feel about a lot of things going on in the world, as you should be. But have you ever found that it's affected your career in any way, shape, or form? 
No, oddly enough, there was an opportunity that just that just came up recently um, that I didn't book, but it was like two weeks of like a lot. And people were worried. White people were worried. No one black said anything. White people were very worried, including my husband and some friends were like, should you take down some of the stuff you said on Facebook? I'm like, I, it's not like I'm not going to walk into the room with those same thoughts and feelings and ideas just because, you know, I've erased them. Everything I, the thing is, is like, I'm not saying any, when I, when I post stuff, it's not incendiary. It's not false. I am speaking from a truth. So if someone chooses to not work with me because of my truth, that speaks volumes of them and not me. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, so I don't worry about that. And, you know, and I don't think I will ever find out if someone said, you know, I, I can't work with him because he believes in honesty and truth and make sure that people are treated equal. I can't work with that. But you it's know? crazy, though, that people would, <laughs> you know, that people would back away from working with people from being honest. Like, I just don't know when that started to become a thing. And, I, you know, we call it cancel culture, but it's clearly accountability culture and consequence culture. And that makes sense. But I guess it's never made sense to me why you should silence somebody's voice for telling the truth. That's, that's the thing. It's silencing a voice for telling the truth. Now, there are, I mean, everyone has their own truth. For sure. For example, the Gina Heffa from Mandalorian. Mandalorian, yeah. You know, she spoke her truth. She honestly believes that the 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 oppression she is feeling is the same as the oppression that Jews during the Holocaust felt. That's her truth. She believes that. There are consequences in that imagery mm -hmm. that she has to deal with. Right. You know, when I say, you know, when I say that the horror and the horribleness of everything that happened during the Holocaust is, un there's, you know, it's unequal until you get to the Middle Passage. Those are two equally horrifying stories, different, mm -hmm. but equally horrifying. So if I put those two horrifying events together and say, you know, Black folks had to go through this, and Jews had to go through this. Those are on the same playing field mm -hmm. in terms of the torture, mm -hmm. you know. That, and the impact of the community. Like, and the impact yeah. of, that's exactly, and the impact has had for centuries. Well, not centuries, for, but centuries for Black folks. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but, you know, over a century for, you know, for Jews. And it's like, that's, those are two truths based in reality. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the difference. When you start equating, you know, the fact that you can't, you have to wear a mask to death. Well, that's just ignorance. Completely. And the other thing also is like with Gina saying that. I believe her full name is Gina Heffer. <laughs> I'm not calling her that. But with her saying that is that you chose to be a conservative Republican. That is an active choice. Black people had no choice. Jewish people had no choice. They suffered these situations. They were oppressed. They, they had no say in the matter. 
you have chosen to be on the side of ugliness, you know? So it's like, how can you possibly think that the two are comparable? It's yeah. wild to me how oppressed some white people want to be. They want to be oppressed. Again, because we've never had an honest conversation about race in this country. Yeah, ever, so, truly ever. Ever. And as long as we can never have that conversation where white people actually sit down and listen and not do whataboutism, mm -hmm. I've been through this. I did, you know, I had to go to church, whatever it is, I don't know. I'm just like, I don't know, what does that mean? Well, you know, a lot of Christians, and even though I, I call myself that, and I don't, you know, relate to the other side of Christianity, but a lot of Christians feel they're oppressed too, and they feel like their religion's freedom, so maybe that's where you're going with that. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, because you and I have had several conversations about religion and Christianity, Yeah. because yeah. you and I are on the, that's where our, a lot of our things, we're like at a hundred, we're at a hundred, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, but you know, religion is not, is where we sort of you know, go our But separate. I understand why you walked yeah. away. Yeah. There's a difference, yeah. and we coexist, and I respect your views, and I 100% don't blame you, but this is what's worked for me, and I wish more people would realize that that's, I guess that's the problem that I have with Christianity is that it's so egotistical to think that there's only one way of life, and, and that's not how we're supposed to be living. I chose to follow the teachings of Christ because that's what works for me. I like what he said and I'm down with it. But if it doesn't work for you, why should I force that upon you? And that's what drives me crazy about a lot of these conservative Christians is they think even though none of them are actually following what Jesus said, but that's also a completely different conversation. But they think that because they feel this way, they have to, that everybody else has to. Yeah, and that's ridiculous because we're not a monolith. I mean, you know, we are all going to walk in with different ideas and different opinions, you know. Yeah. And like you said, and I've never, I don't believe I've ever disrespected you for no. being a Christian. No, no, no. You just you told know? me to come on your other side that you had Kit Kats. No. <laughs> There's Kit Kats and atheism. Come on, girl. <laughs> we have Kit Kats. <laughs> Stop it. He really did try to sell me with the Kit Kats, though. I was like, if they're vegan, maybe we'll talk. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so in terms of, of of politics and, you know, now we have a new administration, what would you personally like to see from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? Um, I think what I'd like to see from everyone around, everyone, okay, they have been in, is what is it, a month now? Yeah. I, probably a month this past Tuesday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they have been a month. Um, and already the things that are being done are phenomenal. And the, 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 the um, stories that are being created, like, okay, this is what we're doing. Oh, look, we've accomplished it within a month already. That's all great. What I would like is for everyone in the news organizations to start, stop equating Mr. Uh, President Biden with the previous um, president, whatever he was, <laughs> whatever that was, you know, in terms of, well, like um, there was a thing on CNN today where, oh, well, there are two untruths with Mr. what Mr. Biden said in the, in the, in the speech he gave the other night in the conversation he had on CNN, there were two untruths. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so you're choosing to pull out those two, mm. two untruths, which were just factually off. It wasn't mm -hmm. even that they were like, blatant lies. It was like, oh, the numbers don't match what he said. Mm -hmm. 
I'm like, okay, when you just came out of a five-year relationship with someone who did nothing but lie, you know? Literally all he did was lie. It's kind yeah. of impressive if you think of it from like a character standpoint. Like, <laughs> like all that man did was lie. And I just, you know, it's just, I'm just smiling and lying. It's like, you know, it's like every time he says something, it's like, wouldn't me. I just keep hearing that song. Wouldn't me. Because this is like, because he got away. He The thing that we have to realize, he got away with it. All of it. All of it. All of it. And like, what a horrible message that sends. You know, you can do all of these horrible things, be the most corrupt human being, ascend to the highest office in this country. You can incite an insurrection and absolutely nothing will happen to you. And the thing that we, one of the things we don't talk about is the trauma that black folks have to suffer because of that. Because we're walking down the street and we get pulled over for no reason. They catch us with a joint, one joint in our pocket and we are put away for X for 25 years. <laughs> 25 years. And, you know, because of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing absolutely nothing. Where we have to every day have to witness white folks get away with huge, I mean, insurrections, getting away with like, you know, the fact that, you know, even just Ted Cruz goes to Cancun and with his family. While his constituents are freezing and have no water or heat. Literally seven people are now dead because of this and counting. And he goes to Cancun and then comes back and says, oh, I was, my daughters wanted to go, you know, they had a week off of school. There was no school this week, boo, because there's no, because you can't get there. So, you know, and so, and then he comes back because all of a sudden the heat, they call him the heat. He goes, I was just dropping them off. First of all, you shouldn't be dropping your daughters off during the pandemic. Second of all, why was your wife there? Why'd you have to go? You don't trust her, Miss Heidi? You know, everybody, you know, you let this other man call her ugly and beat down and raw and ragged. It's the truth. Am I speaking a lie? At I'm all. Speaking. You're not lying at all. And that's the other thing. Let me tell you something. If John's boss ever <laughs> called me all the things that Donald Trump called Ted Cruz's wife and then he kept working for him, that'd be the last thing he ever did. Baby. I wish. Ooh. Like, ooh. Like what? And then this is the kicker, though. People will still vote for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They will still vote for him. Even though he left, they're going to be like, well, he came back. It's like, but he left. He wasn't going to come back. Again, again, he came back. I was forgiven. He got caught in a major, he got caught in a major ass scandal, not trying to fix it. Saying, "Why? okay, if you just were going overnight, why'd you have a um, full suitcase, boo? There's a picture of you with a full-size carry-on wheeling behind you. And the fact that there's so much evidence, there's so much physical evidence, and people still go, wasn't me. (laughs) Wasn't me. And then they'll believe that it wasn't him. That's the thing that drives me crazy. People heard things that Donald Trump said with his own mouth. And they're like, well, no. It's altered or it's taken out of context. How much context do you need? Yeah. And I just, you know, but again, that I, I experience that trauma on my body every time I hear that. 
Yeah. And I go, and that's something we, I don't even think we're talking about that trauma and what that does to witness. Like if I walked into my office and said, you know, you know, I did, you know, whatever, anything incendiary. And my board would look at me like, okay, let's get, you got to go. <laughs> you got to go. <laughs> you know, that's just what, it, that, that's what a normal person. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I would love to see, you know, some of these little, you know, Trump pansies, you know, go Not to their Trump pansies. Not Trump. <laughs> okay. Okay. Not Trump Oh, I've never. Did you just make that up right now? I heard it somewhere. I'm not gonna take oh, credit. Oh, it's that. brilliant. That's so <laughs> funny. It's just like, you know, I want them to go and do the exact same thing. Go in their offices. Yeah. The ones who have not had lost their jobs because of consequences, not cancel culture. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I didn't know I was supposed to be an insurrectionist. Please. But do you, okay, because, yeah, people call it cancel culture and it's clearly not, but do you ever think for the other side at least, or anybody, because there are people that are, are liberal that also are, 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 you know, held accountable for things, but do you ever think that people will truly even see the error of their ways when they're on the receiving end of what they call cancel culture? Or do you think it's just people are going to continue to make excuses for their actions? People will continue to make excuses for their actions. You have no hope in people. <laughs> I don't have, I don't, I don't. And I've got children. I'm trying to have hope, but I have children. Um, but I also have children who have not been socializing for a year, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's, it's very difficult, but let's be, let's, you know, the only time people come to their senses is when they get caught. Yeah. Let's look at this whole thing with, the Bachelor. Now, I have never watched a single episode of The Bachelor. Me either. I just haven't. All I knew is there was 25 seasons before they got a Negro on there. <laughs> and I say Negro <laughs> because it feels like the 60s. Right. Because that's how long it took, 25, yes. 25 seasons. Yeah. So, um, and then when they finally do this, all of a sudden, all the racism starts un un unveiling itself. There it is. It's always been there. We always knew. Black folks, you know, you know, from what I gather, you know, every time there's you know a black, there's a white bachelor, and it's like three black women or two black women, they're gone first week. Mm -hmm. You know, for what I'm saying, because you know, I don't watch this. I also don't, you know, I'm a queer man who doesn't watch Real Housewives. I, I find the, them all disgusting. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I do them. But you know, all of a sudden, and before, and now they, whatever, one girl got caught because of her truly racist past. And then all of a sudden, two other girls are like, oh, well, I did this, and I'm sorry. You know, all of a sudden, they're, they're going, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Because, again, they thought it was perfectly acceptable yeah. to wear a Confederate flag. Mm -hmm. They thought it was totally acceptable because they've never been questioned. Right, right. They've never, put, they've never been asked the question, why are you yeah. wearing when do you think the shift started to happen, though? I mean, I noticed it in the last couple of years that people are really calling people out on their problematic ways and problematic past. But things like that, it was acceptable when they did it. Nobody said anything. So for you, at least from your vantage point, when do you think that the change started to really happen? I, I honestly believe people probably said something and they just didn't care. Mm, okay. That's, that's the difference. Mm. Because 
I've been speaking out for years when I see it, but no, you know, again, if I, I'm, I, if I'm speaking into a wind tunnel of blackness, our strength and our power wasn't strong enough at that time to get those messages out. Mm-hmm. But now there is this come togetherness that's happening. Now with all black folks, as we've seen, you know, <clears throat> I ain't trying to start no mess, but <laughs> if you don't have that much bad gold tooth gold in your mouth, you might want to sit down someplace. <laughs> I ain't gonna say your name, rapper. Alleged. Alleged. <laughs> but you know, it's like uh you know, I think that we have I call it, you know <laughs> I just I, I don't I don't think so. I'm just I'm a Debbie Downer. I just think that, you know, I hope to see a change happen. And I'm seeing physical change. I'm watching my husband, who's white, uh, meet with five other people weekly. Mm. And read, they're reading, uh, um, um, I can't, uh, what is it? Um, Yala Saad's book right now. What's it called? The, the, uh, Me and White Supremacy. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And um, and they're discussing it and they're having conversations. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to, you know, do privacy, but I'm living at the door, you know, trying to listen. What, what y'all, what y'all crack us <laughs> But you know, but it's like, and also I just found out, you know, I, I'll talk about it later. But it's like, and they're honestly having real, true conversations about their whiteness and their privilege. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing that with a lot of people. Now I'm also seeing it. From a lot of people saying, "Well, I had a, I did a black show in February, mm. you know, and that should be enough." Um, but you know, you're so funny. You're I like, do. I just don't have hope in people. <laughs> I don't, you know, I want to, I want to, but then again, you know, I, 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 all I see are just people. Every time there seems to be, you know, two steps forward, this one step back. Yeah, ah, it's a trap. Okay. Um, that's how my brain works. Everything's a song. It's a good song, though. It's a fun yeah, song. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of messages are you teaching your children? You know, because Maxie's clearly going to have a different experience in life than Sebastian is. So you what, know, are, yeah, what, are, what lessons are you teaching them when they go out into the real world? I'm going to tell you something. You know, we are an incredibly liberal household and mm-hmm. we're a very open and honest household in, in all of our conversations. And, you know, we try to, we talk to our children all the time and luckily our children talk to us. Mm-hmm. And um, what I'm finding that my 18 year old white son, even though being raised in a, uh, you know, a queer biracial household mm-hmm. is still homophobic. Hmm. And it's still just, wow. Not because of you know because that it's in our DNA. It's, in, it's lodged in his DNA mm. because of the messages that he keeps getting. Yeah. Just by watching television and movies and music, mm. that it's still there. Mm-hmm. And he'll say something. I'm like, what the? What you know? And that causes a long conversation because we know we have to, we are constantly reprogramming our 18-year-old white child mm. because of the messages that he keeps receiving wow. outside of this household. Yeah, because that's how they're conditioned to think. Yeah. Yeah. Even, you know, so, and then 
having to have that different conversation with my 14-year-old black daughter about, all right, like she, you know, how, can I walk to the store? All right, do you have this? Are you wearing this? Are you doing that? Yeah. Just for walking two blocks to the grocery store. Yeah. That I don't have to have that conversation with my white child. Mm-hmm. Because he can walk, you know. You know, you know it, it's just, it, it, I don't know if, who else is going through this story. I mean, because, I mean, your husband's white. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, but your daughter's black, you know, whether we call it biracial. She's black, yeah. She's still black. Yeah. (laughs) Let's be clear. And, um, you know, and those, it's just, it's it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. For me, it's heartbreaking. I can only imagine. It's a lot to, to hold on to. No. And, you know, and the thing, the, the cool thing, though, about my daughter is like, she has surrounded herself with, her tribe mm. of people of all literally races, genders, you know, ethnicities. She has surrounded herself with this tribe of uh, of young adults who are like, we're not going to uh, prescribe to that. Yeah. We're not doing that. Yeah. You know, it's like, if I say that I am, you know, a Colombian pansexual you know, a person, that's what you're going to, that's what you're going to have to accept. Mm. And I love that. I love the conversations that they have, you know, so that might be my little shred of hope. Yeah. That so that's, these- that's a good amount of hope. That is, that yeah. is. And it, I mean, that the reason I ask is because there has to be two different, complete, completely different conversations, obviously with your children. All the time. Well, yeah. All only the time. imagine only imagine yeah. um well before we go is there anything that you're working on currently that you can let everybody know about um hmm. um go to uh well we have nothing up right now we're working on pride we're uh celebrations mm-hmm. during pride again this year which we're very excited about awesome. pride um we're, we're, and we're doing it lgbtqi all those letters for six days, and the A is all of y'all. <laughs> and we're that was you. That was you, wasn't it? You added the all of y'all. <laughs> all of y'all. Still black. Still and just black. celebrationtheater.org? Uh, celebrationtheater.org, and theater is spelled with an R-E, the way it should be. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Michael, thank you so much for chatting with me. Yeah. I could talk to you for hours. You know, this we can is the easiest. This is the, I mean, I'm, you know, I've been busy and I used to ask me to come on before and I just, I've been so busy, but this was so easy. I I'm know. doing this all the time. Now. Yes. <laughs> yes. I will definitely have you back. Uh, make sure you, well, can they follow you? Is Are your pages public? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm at my 5,000 limit on the Facebook. I know. At uh, on Instagram at, at Shep Dog eleven twenty two T A W G Shep Dog eleven twenty two and it. at M A Shepherd on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And to the listeners, make sure you subscribe to We Need to Talk on Apple Podcasts, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right. Bye.